Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK if you would like to be a part of the program. And I had a terrific time in Pickens County and Woodstock this weekend. Man, I love Woodstock. That downtown is fantastic. Reformation Brewery, just amazing. And their new t-shirt selection, by the I've got one on right now, Nolan the Wanderer. I'm wearing it, the green one. Uh, go by Reformation Brewery. Y'all, we've got some headlines we need to get to. Must Ministries. Uh, political outrage continuing to blow up. We spent a lot of time on Friday on this story. Don't need to recirculate the story, but uh, for those of you who don't know it, Cherokee and in uh, Cobb County, Must Ministries, well, now they do a number of counties, not just those. Those were their primary focus for a number of years. 25-year-old ministry where individuals and businesses volunteer to make sandwiches for poor kids. They serve 7,000 a day. The state of Georgia has shut down the ministry. Um, they're, they're still functioning through cash donations. They're having to buy the food now. They can't make it themselves. It's absolutely outrageous. Um, political leaders starting to pay attention to this story, and they should. Uh, also, my friend Anderson Cooper, be, be, and, and he is a friend. Um, I, I I just adore Anderson Cooper, and prayers are with him and his family. Gloria Vanderbilt has passed away at 95 years old. Gloria Vanderbilt, his mother. Uh, Anderson is a wonderful human being. He really is. Um, you know, where he got his first job, the heritage foundation, um, just a neat guy, uh, really like him and prayers for his family. Gloria Vanderbilt passing away 95 years old today. She had cancer only diagnosed a couple of weeks ago, as a matter of fact. And also this is the anniversary of the Malaysian air, uh, MH370 flight and what happened to it. Uh, the Atlantic today has a very big story on this missing Malaysian air flight. We are five years removed from Don Lemon suggesting it might have gotten taken into a black hole. Uh, this plane, no one has been able to find it, but the wreckage continues to wash up on beaches in Africa, particularly Madagascar, beaches in Madagascar, uh, which obviously suggests it crashed in the Indian Ocean uh, those five years ago. Now, one person has made it a personal mission to find as much as he can, and he roams the beaches of Eastern Africa and continues to find small parts from the airplane. There were a lot of conspiracy theories about what might have happened to the plane, but here's new detail I'm learning from the Atlantic that has not been reported anywhere else. The pilot of the flight, uh, the senior flight officer, highly regarded within Malaysian Airlines, uh, several weeks before the flight disappeared, had to do flight simulator training. I did not know that you can pull up pilots' flight simulator trainings and see uh, how their trainings went and whatnot. I had no idea it was logged, but it was. Uh, the 777 um, flight simulator logs all the flights. Do, do you know the last flight simulation that the pilot of the Malaysian Airlines jet did? He simulated manually flying the plane out into the Indian Ocean to run out of gas to see what would happen. Did you had you heard that report? I had not heard that reported. That was in the the piece in the Atlantic. I was just flabbergasted reading this. I had no idea. It was a very detailed report about all the conspiracy theories that have gone into the Malaysian Air uh, jet, what happened, what did not happen. And uh, it included that bit of information that the, let's see if I can pull this up. Um, 
yeah, it, let's see. Um, flight simulator. I'm doing the word search. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, he constructed a flight simulator in his home. He was so dedicated to it. But uh, he also searched through, or he also, they were able to go through and find out what exactly his last simulator was. And let's see, of all the profiles extracted from the simulator, the one that matched 370's path was the only one, Zahari, the, the chief officer on the plane, the chief pilot, did not run as a continuous flight. In other words, taking off on the simulator and letting the flight play out hour after hour until it reached the destination airport. Instead, he advanced the flight manually in multiple stages, repeatedly jumping the flight forward and subtracting the fuel as necessary until it was gone. And guess what his route was? It was the route that satellite data suggests the plane went to. Some of the people who have examined it suspect the purpose might have been to leave a breadcrumb trail to say goodbye. He was, as one of them said, simulating a simulation. Fast. I never knew that. In fact, Malaysian investigators dismissed it. Malaysian investigators dismissed that data point that he logged a flight north around Indonesia, followed by a long run to the south, ending in fuel exhaustion over the Indian Ocean. That's what the pilot did before the actual flight. And Malaysian investigators said, nah, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, so fascinating read at The Atlantic. I put it out on Twitter. You can go read it for yourself. It's a long read, but very, very worth reading. Turns out the pilot's life was falling apart. Uh, and uh, he simulated that simulation of the flight simulator and then got on board and looks like he did it, actually. Now, uh, we've got other news to talk about today as well. I want to begin with a detailed analysis of the polling, and part of the reason that I didn't start that out of the gate right here is because I need to take you in a little bit of a deep dive here for just a minute. The polling data. Can we just admit, or, or are some of you so emotionally invested in it that you can't bring yourself to admit that the polling data is right? If you go back to 2016, the polls had Hillary Clinton beating Donald Trump by 3%. She actually beat him by 2%. Now, the polling didn't factor in the Electoral College. The president won with 70,000 votes in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania that uh, the polling didn't detect. State-level polling would have detected it. So, the pollsters have been mindful of that ever since. And the pollsters have been doing a pretty good detail launch of their polling uh, through the 2020 campaign. If you go into 2018, what you will see is that the polling turned out to be right, generally. There were some places where it was so close, the polling could date, but the, the polling can only give you kind of a window. Uh, the polling can only tell you a snapshot of where the polling is that day within a reasonable margin of error, two to five points. And if the poll is, if it's very, very close, the polling can't get it right because you're within the margin of error. So it gets it right even if it looks otherwise. So if you've got a nationwide, Hillary Clinton wins by 2%. Essentially, that's the margin of error. And the president's polling in three states went the other way in the margin of error, and, and that makes sense. But right now, the president's internal polling, we know, and we know because the campaign is admitting it, they're just saying it was for March, 
and they're firing the pollsters now, had the president behind by 10 points. That's outside the margin of error. In other words, the polling being outside a margin of error by by having a 10-point gap is outside the margin whereby the Electoral College would be uh, affected. You'll recall, maybe, in 2006, uh, the, the, the thinking was that if the Democrats were going to take the House as totally as they did, they were probably going to wind up having to take the Senate as well. And uh, they wound up taking the Senate ultimately, or in 2008, I said 2006, 2008, um, that if the if the Democrats were going to take the Senate, there would have to be fairly decisive sweeps um, with the House and the, and the presidency, and given the polling to look possible, and sure enough, they did. And the same holds true for all the other polling data sets, that if you're within a, a two-point margin, well, it could go either way. The Electoral College can get around that. But because they're not packing people into the polls in California and in New York, they're doing an even dispersion across the nation. If your polling gets to about a five percentage point gap, the Electoral College isn't going to overcome that. In other words, they evenly distribute the sample of people they're polling around the country. And at the smaller rate, when you just take the in-state rate, the margin of error is larger. It may be five, six, seven points. And the overall poll may only be a two-point margin of error when you take all the people across the country. But when you're at a 10-point margin in polling that shows Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, um, Joe Biden beating the president by 10 points, that's well outside any margin of error for polls. And the Electoral College can't, just statistically, the Electoral College isn't going to overcome that. And we know the president's polling showed the same thing. They say it was polling from March, but it showed it what the current public polling is showing, that the president was 10 points behind. The Democrats are really championing all this. They shouldn't. I know you I know you hear this, you think, oh, the president's toast. No. The president was actually being polled about generic Democrat. I, I know people are thinking, oh, no, the polling showed him losing to Joe Biden by 10 points. No, the polls showed that he's losing to generic Democrat by 10 points. You People can say, oh, you're being asked Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, whoever. But in people's minds, in the mind of the person taking the poll, they're really talking about the ideal Democrat at the time. They're not talking about uh, Bernie Sanders, really, they're talking about Bernie Sanders, the hypothetical, and people don't like the president. Let's just admit it. Majority of Americans don't care for the president. And so they're stacking a president they don't care for against the hypothetical Democrat they do. Well, when you see the actual polling, when the Democrats have a nominee, it's going to change. And in the meantime, the president now knows something very valuable. The president knows that against the hypothetical Democrat, he pulls 10 points behind. So what the president has to do is find the data points that allow people to like the Democrat more than him and go after those data points, either building his own positives up or tearing down those of the Democrats. And he's got an advantage the Democrats don't have. There are 2,000 Democrats running for president of the United States. Actually, apparently today, the FEC noted there are like 200 people. I'm not making that up about 200 people running for Democratic president, most of them you've never heard of, most of them you never will hear of, just people who filed the application and aren't actually going to run. But the president now has until probably March or April of next year to go after each of those Democrats and use his vast resources to define them negatively in a way that disrupts the polling. Don't freak out about the polling. Don't say the polling is wrong. Don't say they're making it up. Don't say they're doing it like they did in 2016. In 2016, that got it right. She won the popular vote. What you do is use the polling for the snapshot now. The president's behind now. The president is behind because of factor A, B, C, D, and E. 
So the president now can spend between now and when the Democrats have a nominee to work on A, B, C, D, and E, while also defining the Democrats negatively against those factors. This gives the president the perfect opportunity to beat the Democrats, letting everybody know where the polling is now. And we have a baseline. A year out, we have a baseline. Let's see what happens. A lot's going to happen. There's no reason to freak out about the president and the polling. There's no reason at all. There's no reason for the Democrats to be excited about the polling. There's a lot of reason for Republicans to be worried about the polling, but nothing that can't be responded to over the next year. I'm so excited to have Blinds.com sponsoring the show because I actually need new blinds, and I've been thinking about going there, and I really didn't know a lot about them. Then they asked to sponsor the podcast. I've heard others sponsor them as well. We've got some um, wooden shutters, and you know what? Blinds.com can take care of you. For many of us, our blinds or whatever you have in the window, they're an afterthought. But with brand new made-to-order custom window coverings from Blinds.com, you can really transform the look and feel of your entire home. When they're right, everything in your home looks better. When they're wrong, the home looks cheap. And you know what? If you need new blinds, go to Blinds.com. With 15 million windows covered and over 30,000 five-star customer reviews, Blinds.com is America's number one online retailer for affordable quality custom window coverings whether you're looking for energy efficiency you just moved you want to refresh your homes blinds.com makes the whole experience fast and easy blinds.com makes it fast and easy you get free samples free shipping free online design consultation what you can do is you can send them pictures of your house they send it back custom recommendations from a professional about what works with your color scheme your furniture your specific rooms they'll even send you free samples to make sure everything's good in person and this is the best part if you accidentally mismeasure or pick the wrong color if you made a mistake Blinds.com is going to remake the blinds for free. They are really easy to use, really easy to work with. For a limited time, you get $20 off at Blinds.com when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. That's Blinds.com. Your promo code is ERIC for $20 off. Faux wood blinds, cellular shades, roller shades, they got a lot. Blinds.com, promo code ERIC, rules and restrictions apply. It is Eric Erickson here. Welcome. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Shaney B, is this where I now regale people with tales of my toothbrush, or is that for a later moment? Oh, let's leave them in suspense and do it in about 30 minutes. All right. We'll do it then. Right now, though, I want to go to Susan and John's Creek. Susan, welcome. Hi there. Um, thanks for taking my call. Well, as you're talking about the 2020 election, what do you think about this national interstate compact to pool the electoral votes? You know, so I've always thought it was very funny. There were a number of Republican politicians in Georgia before 2016 who thought, oh, this is a great idea. We should do this. Uh, And they were sold basically on George W. Bush had won with 51 percent of the vote against John Kerry and thought, you know, we should do this. Well, uh, with the Trump election 2016, Republicans have abandoned it. Now, Democrats have picked it up. It's probably not going to work for a couple of reasons. One, an interstate compact has to have Congress's approval, and I doubt they can get it through the Senate. But more importantly, um, I don't think you're going to be able to get to 270 votes. The reason being is, according to the terms of the compact by itself, it wouldn't go into effect until enough states that you have 270 electoral college votes go into effect. But 
I, here's my thing. I don't think it's a good idea, not because I don't – well, I don't like the, the majority of popular vote. Um, I think states still matter. States matter tremendously. States are semi-sovereign entities, and the people of a state should have their state's electoral college votes go for who the people of that state wanted. The people of that state may not want Hillary Clinton. Therefore, their votes should not have to go to Hillary Clinton. We are, by the way, also, it's worth noting that for all of you who are scared that the Russians tried to steal the election, it becomes really, really, really easy to tamper with national elections when you use the popular vote. That's why there's no credible claims that the Russians were able to steal the election. Some fringe sites make that claim, but they would have had to have done detailed polling to know Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan were as close as they were that they should concentrate the resources there, and they didn't. There's no evidence of that. You do a national popular vote, it becomes really easy to steal the presidential election. That's another reason. It's a bad, bad idea. We shouldn't do it. Last time this happened, I wasn't here to do it for you, but I'm here now. We've got some rain in the area. If you're headed out I-20 towards Alabama, you're going to run into scattered showers. Austell, Lithia Springs, Douglasville, Villarica, down by the airport, too, at 75 and 285. Forest Park, Conley, Morrow, and then down 41, Jonesboro, Irondale, Lovejoy, Hampton. So you got scattered showers in that area. That's the radar. Phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, randomly, let's go to Mike in Marietta. Mike, welcome to the program. Mike, you there? Hello? Mike, I can hear you. Mike apparently isn't paying attention, I guess. So, Jack, in Woodstock, you're the benefit. Jack, by the way, I was in Woodstock this weekend, went to Reformation Brewery, an event for Michael Caldwell up there. What a great guy, and what a great town you live in. Well, thank you very much. It is a wonderful, booming little metropolis we got going here. Yes, indeed. So, real quick, you know, I appreciate you being so open about your faith and where you stand on things, but it's a little bit disingenuous to me when it kind of comes across as an attack on Christianity by saying that the must ministry is getting shut down. It's really a sanitation thing. Um, I participate in it every year, and you get a bunch of people that have no idea on safe food sanctuary practices or safe sanctuary practices at all, and you give them a hair nut and a couple of gloves, and you ask them to start throwing together sandwiches. We're still doing snack packs. We're still doing the sippy cups and all the other drinks and stuff you can think of. So we're still doing something productive. It's just the sandwiches have to be made off-site. So it's so, not like some huge well, deal. Wait, well, yeah, but it is. It is, because they're now having to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars, 175000 minimum, when for 25 years they've relied on volunteers who never got anybody food poison. This is true, but uh, think about the climate that we live in today. Something happens to one person, that shuts it down, and nothing like this is going to happen again. Well, if, if they buy sandwiches and a sandwich gets them sick, uh, someone's going to sue as well. And, you know, uh, the law when it comes to charities, they've got some level of protection there as well when their volunteers are helping them. When they're actually engaging in the full cost of it and the lawsuit comes along, they're going to have harder primes. But, I mean, look at grocery stores. You go to the grocery store, you buy romaine lettuce, you get E. coli from it. Uh, you can do that from a private vendor. 
So, yeah, you're damn right it is a problem with them going after a religious faith-based organization that has uh, volunteers. Uh, You're being so willing to dismiss it and say, oh, it's just sanitation. No, it's not. This is a ministry that's been going on for 25 years using volunteers and small businesses to help feed kids. And now the state of Georgia says you can't have volunteers help feed kids. You have to turn to money. And that's part of the problem here. And it's part of the problem we see in in society time and time again, where people just think they can write a check so they can advocate their own responsibility. Now, it sounds like what you're saying is just write a check and advocate your responsibility. People have been writing checks for so long to advocate responsibility. Have you been to a downtown overpass in Atlanta and seen the homeless people living under the bridge? Hey, write a check. Somebody else will take care of them so you don't have to. We have a situation here where this ministry was using volunteers who were putting in their sweat equity, moms and dads and kids in a kitchen in their house, making sandwiches, knowing they were going to feed hungry children. We have a society where we had small businesses in Marietta, in Woodstock and the like, who were going in on their own time as volunteers to put sandwiches together to feed hungry kids. And now we've got the state of Georgia saying, no, just write a check. Everybody, write a check. Let the government solve the problem. This is a Christian ministry. When Jesus Christ walked this planet, he did not say, write a check. He said, render it a Caesar what a Caesar's. But you got to worry about the poor. It's an individual responsibility. This is why society is so screwed up now. Because we all say, oh, we don't have to worry about the poor. The government can just raise our taxes and government can take care of the poor. We don't have to take care of the poor. I don't need to know my neighbor. I don't need to be my brother's keeper because I can make the government do that. And what's the government doing? We got failing schools. We got failing families. We got crumbling homes. We got dads in jails. We got sons in jails. We've got moms working three jobs to take care of kids and her youngest is pregnant. Why? Because we all said, hey, we don't have to take care of it anymore. We're going to let the government take care of it. Oh, my God, somebody might get food poisoning from one sandwich. Let's shut it all down. That's the stupid talk that's gotten us into the failing society we've gotten into right now. And if that's your position and you're not morally outraged by it, well, then you should probably recalibrate your moral sense. When you have a Christian ministry that has for 25 years done this flawlessly, and say, oh, it's not really going after this charity. It's just a sanitation issue. I can't say the word I was about to say, but it began with bull and ended with a T. No, it is a problem of society deciding that we can turn a blind eye to the poor kids and just write a check to the government. It is a problem that the government has decided that that is exactly what you should do, just write a check to the government and let the government do it. And it is a problem of society where we do have litigious people who are letting kids go hungry and others hiding, like like the guy who just called, hiding behind the excuse. Oh, a lawyer might get involved. Oh, because a lawyer might get involved, because something might happen, because something has never happened before, but it could happen in the future, we should just give up the ministry. You know what? I'm assuming the guy who just called doesn't get on airplanes because an airplane could crash. He might not actually even get in a car because a car could crash. And because it could happen, I guess he shouldn't do it. We have got to stop abdicating our role as individuals to the government. We have got to stop saying we'll let the other guy take care of it. Here's a ministry, must ministries, 
where volunteers for 25 years have prepared 7,000 sandwiches a day for poor kids. And now the government said you can't do that anymore because somebody might get sick. And for 25 years, no one has. That is a problem. And it's really damn flippant to say, oh, it's just a sanitation issue. They can come up with other ways to do it. Let the government do it. No, 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 no. This should be our individual responsibility. And you're letting us abdicate it to the government. So you can say, hey, I don't care about that homeless guy in the street. Somebody else can care about him. I don't care about my next door neighbor whose roof has fallen in. That's the government's job. I don't care about my kid's crappy failing school. That's the government's problem. That's just you begin to abdicate on one thing. And over time, everybody abdicates and everybody abdicates. And pretty soon, nothing's your problem. It's all the government's problems. You just foot the bill and check out. Some people, like the people at Must Ministries, have refused to check out, and the government's made it harder, and the politicians we elected should stand up to the government and tell the government, go to hell, let these people keep making sandwiches. Now, you'll excuse my language, please. That call really, man, I went all Dr. Laura and didn't mean to. Hey, you know what? Just as an example, real world example here, watch. I'm going to abdicate my show to the Georgia Department of Human Resources and let them do it. Listen. Yeah, nothing. Just like what happens when you let the government take care of the homeless people and the poor kids. Yeah, you're supposed to do it, folks. Step up, step up. And you should be calling your state representative and state senator and being as livid as you should be over this issue that must ministries can't make sandwiches and has to rely on outsourcing to other companies and pay them to make the sandwiches when volunteers have been doing it for 25 years it is absurd and you shouldn't dismiss it as no big deal or a sanitation issue because if you do you are dismissing people's ability to take command of their own situation and change the lives of people around them themselves what you're doing is you're saying you're actually in favor of bigger government taking care of it instead of letting private charities step up and do it themselves and you if you listen to this program should be better than that uh let's see here um, I, so I've started writing a list. Oh, 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 Tommy Hunter. We need to talk about Tommy Hunter. Tommy Hunter is the Gwinnett County Commissioner who was reprimanded by the county commission, censured, whatever you want to call it, uh, for his comments on his personal Facebook page about John Lewis. I defended him then. I don't think the county commission should have done it. Uh, he's got free speech rights like everyone else. Those ethics rules are sheer partisan hackery. They never use them on Democrats. It's just it was a dumb thing for the Gwinnett County Commissioner to do. It is equally stupid for Tommy Hunter to be suing the taxpayers of Gwinnett County for $5 million because he's butthurt now. And that's exactly what this amounts to is he's got hurt feelings because the Gwinnett County Commission censured him. He says it's his free speech rights and he's fighting them for $5 million. You know what he's actually doing? He's actually suing the commission for $5 million. But you know what that actually means? It's the Gwinnett County taxpayers who will be on the foot for, for for the bill. He should move on. It doesn't matter. Is he still there? I believe he's still a Gwinnett County Commissioner. I mean, come on, man. This is this is nonsense. I defended you then. This is stupid. Uh, you should not be doing that. Um, if any of you know Tommy Hunter, he knows I defended him. Uh, there were very few people willing to defend him back then, and I, I was one of them, and I was happy to do so on radio. But it, filing this lawsuit is dumb. It is a dumb idea. It is wasteful to the taxpayers of Gwinnett County, and it is a commissioner of Gwinnett County who's making them foot the bill 
Uh, for what now? For what? He's still a commissioner. Is it ego? Is it pride? Um, he, he thinks it's a wrong. Well, you know, sometimes bad things happen to you. Life's not fair. My God, I've been listening to Dr. Laura too much. But life's not fair. And I don't think what they did to him was fair, but it's not lawsuit worthy, I don't think, particularly when you're a commissioner, you've got a fiduciary duty to your taxpayers, and now you're making your taxpayers, if you were to win, pony up $5 million to you, and if you don't win, if you don't win still, they got they still got to pony up their lawyer's bills? No, that's irresponsible. Um, he needs to let it go. Even if they don't, sometimes you got to be a bigger person. Tommy Hunter needs to be the big man now. When we come back... Gwinnett County is going to be a hotbed of political activity next year. And also, do you know Kyle Kashev got admitted to Harvard? They're now booting him from Harvard for wrong think when he was a kid. The implications of this are actually pretty astounding. If you don't know your numbers, you really don't know your business. And the problem a lot of growing businesses have is they've got a bunch of different systems, so they don't really know their systems. They've got a system for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory, and so on. It's a big and efficient mess, taking a lot of time, a lot of resources, and it hurts the bottom line. Well, Oracle is introducing NetSuite. It's a business management software. It handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud format, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, accounting, orders, HR, everything from your desktop or even your phone. It's why NetSuite's the number one cloud business system in the world. And right now, NetSuite is offering valuable insight with free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash Eric. That's netsuite.com slash Eric. Download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits, netsuite.com slash Eric. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Looks like the vice president will be on with me tomorrow evening, so you'll want to be here then for sure. Uh, right now, we got to check the radar because there's some heavy rain in the North Druid Hills, the North Atlanta area, headed into Chambly right now. Sandy Springs as well, getting rain. Missing the Brave Stadium, you may be getting a little sprinkle there. Smyrna, Fair Oaks, uh, Powder Springs, Hiram, you got rain right now. Uh, the worst of it, though, is uh, in the Milledgeville area, in the mid-state. Um, so we're fairly clear, but there's more moving into the area from North Georgia. So uh, and some coming in from Alabama. Now, uh, other news of the day, uh, Gwinnett County, uh, the Family Policy Alliance. I'm great friends with those guys. Wonderful organization. Uh, the fetal heartbeat legislation, I don't know that it would have passed, uh, but for the support behind the scenes of Cole Musio and the Family Policy Alliance folks. Um, it really is, if you're a conservative in the state, that's an organization you should be supporting. And they had a press conference in Gwinnett County on Friday, basically saying that not only do they intend to support those Gwinnett Republicans who supported the fetal heartbeat legislation, but they're going to oppose some of the Republicans who opposed the fetal heartbeat legislation who said they were pro-life. Deborah Silcox is one of them uh, and others as well. 
it is it's going to be interesting to me to see what they do i will tell you one of the surprise beneficiaries of all of this is probably renee underman renee is running for the u.s house of representatives district seven that is oh what's his name seat um who is leaving he didn't run a very good campaign last time won by the skin of his teeth and woodall rob woodall and Renee Unterman is running and she's got a core base of support and a large part because of the pro-life issue. She pushed it through the state Senate and she took a lot of heat from Democrats and they want to come after her, but it may help her in the primary running for that 7th Congressional District seat. Now, there are a bunch of other people running. And by the way, um, I, I, there are continue to be people running for those seats, the 6th and the 7th. And I am happy to, after I don't want to do it until after Labor Day, but let them all come on and make their case. Uh, I apparently have blocked Brandon Beach on my phone uh, and need to figure out which number was his. But I, I just kept getting this random phone call on my phone. Nobody left a voicemail. I assumed it was a telemarketer and blocked the number. And I was in, uh, in Pickens County this weekend and someone told me they believed I had blocked Brandon Beach. Uh, he had been trying to get a hold of me, and he had my number and couldn't get through. Uh, yeah, I apparently I thought it was telemarketer. Leave a voicemail. Uh, nonetheless, uh, have them all on, all of them, uh, in the 7th or in, in the 6th as well. Let people come on. Those are going to be hotly contested races. Uh, but the thing you need to know about Gwinnett County, though, is that the Democrats are convinced that the abortion issue helps them. And there's actually a lot of data out there that with Hispanic voters, it does not help them. And now you've got the governor of Georgia appointing John King as the first uh, uh, statewide Hispanic office holder showing that the Republicans mean to work with uh, Hispanic voters. Uh, and then you've got the Gallio, the Georgia Association of Latino Elected Officials, which is a great organization, by the way. You should know that this is actually a good organization. And people who are hostile to immigration in the country tend to not like it. And a lot of Republicans distance themselves from anyone associated with it because they were viewed as being soft on immigration or open borders or what have you. But it's actually a great organization. And the governor governor picking John King to be the insurance commissioner. He was the police chief in Doraville. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, he doesn't have a lot of experience. Yes, that's true. But uh, he's got a police background. He's got a background in dealing with bureaucracy. And right now they need someone to go in and clean up that bureaucracy. Uh, if John King or anyone who knows John King is listening, you do need to tell him he needs to fire all of Jim Beck's people, though. Because um, there's the, the bad news there. You, you got... You got some great people who Jim Beck brought in, like Josh McCoon, but then you got a lot of other people in there who I'm not sure they don't need to go now that he's not there. Um, you need to start over with some fresh people. But Josh McCoon, by the way, is somebody he can rely on in that office and probably should be. But this is a big signal that the governor takes very seriously the Hispanic vote. And if the governor's taking very seriously the Hispanic vote, the Family Policy Alliance is. Uh, Hispanic voters are the most pro-life constituency in the country and in Georgia and in Gwinnett County. There are some natural alliances to make there to help Republicans uh, turn the narrative that demography is destiny. That's what a lot of the newspapers out there tell you, that once a Hispanic votes get to X percentage, suddenly it's Democratic County. That's not so true. You know, more and more Hispanic voters are identifying as white and Republican in this country. And there are ways to build a Hispanic base within the Republican Party in Georgia to secure the future for the GOP. I, I just had my, my, my 
I guess, can we call it my Cajun moment or my blonde moment of the day? I looked at this and how do I explain to you where the storm is? Doug's talking about it. I said, well, it's to the right of, of uh, Georgia 400. Like, Wait a second. No, that's on the map. It's to the right of Georgia. So if you're if you're looking at it and it's a north-south map, it's to the, right. it's to the east of Georgia 400. Right, right over uh, Glen Ridge Parkway, that area. Very heavy rain. Uh, headed towards the King and Queen building. It is it is a north-moving storm. It'll be on top of the King and Queen building here momentarily, the heart of this. Very heavy rain. There's some lightning now that I see in it of the radar. The Sandy Springs area, Dunwoody, Doraville, Chambly. Uh, you're all in the path of the storm. It is basically headed up the 400 corridor between 400 and uh, Peachtree Industrial, that area up there. So over uh, Peachtree DeKalb Airport uh, is where the storm is about right now. Uh, headed up with its trajectory, Doug's right, the King and Queen building, you're going to get some very heavy rain there. Uh, so just stay on top of that. Now, uh, we've got more stuff I want to talk about tonight, including now I'll circle back to the polling issue. But can we talk about Kyle Kashev? And, and I am I think I'm mispronouncing his last name. But this is one of the, the survivors of the Parkland High School shooting. He was admitted to Harvard. And remember, we're, we're not allowed to criticize people who were survivors of the Parkland High School shooting, except there's an exception for people like Kyle. Because after the Parkland School shooting, Kyle became an advocate of the Second Amendment. And Kyle actually lobbied Congress to pass a school safety measure that, in fact, was passed. And numerous members of Congress said if it was not for him, Uh, knocking on the doors of members of Congress, including Democrats, that legislation might not have gotten passed, that he really basically camped out up there. And a lot of his his associates from school wouldn't help him with it because it didn't ban guns. The legislation didn't ban guns, but it beefed up school safety. And he was admitted to Harvard. Well, some of the people who went to school with him, who hate him because he refuses to renounce his support of the Second Amendment, they found some old text messages of Kyle's from when he was 16 years old. And some of them are pretty bad. I, I can't tell you what they said here because they're pretty bad. And Kyle owned up to him, fessed up, said that that was him then. That's not him now. He apologized. He's moved on. He's grown up. He recognized it was bad, and he's sorry. And Harvard has rescinded his acceptance to Harvard. Not because of what he did, but because progressive activists insisted Harvard do it. Kyle even went up to Harvard and met with their diversity officers and said, what can I do to make this right so people feel okay with me coming here? And worked with them. Now, there's a problem here. If we're going to hold people to their 16-year-old selves and not accept their apologies and not accept that they've grown up, then no one's ever going to want to apologize. No one's ever going to want to grow up. Everyone's going to want to be defined by their worst things they've ever done because that's what everyone else will define them by. And that's a very terrible precedent. Harvard is a school that was founded by slave owners. Should we still bind Harvard to their slave-owning history and say Harvard should be shut down, their endowment should be given to, um, to as reparations to, to the descendants of slaves because the school was founded with slave labor? Should we do? I don't think we should, but that's the logic here, and it's it's not healthy for society that that's happening, and we're going to see more of this. And here's the thing for progressives who are cheering this on today: the mob will come for them too at some point, because you can never, ever, ever be loyal enough to that ideology. 
you don't believe me, just ask Rose Pierre. Hello there. Uh, you know, remember the USA Today went after the who was the the, the football kid got a got a scholarship or I can't remember all the details, but it was USA Today that went after him for something he had posted in high school several years before. Well, now there's a Chris Quintana from USA Today is is saying, oh, Harvard did something similar to what they did to Kyle Kushoff back in 2017 related to private meme page. So there's a difference. The kids were already at Harvard and doing it with a group associated with Harvard. They weren't actually um, 16 years old and then several years later accepted into Harvard. Really just a bad thing. By the way, there's a larger issue here. We may have to get into it when we come back about uh, corporations deciding to dabble with progressive politics. You know, Taylor Swift is running into this today. I, I had no idea what was going on earlier. My daughter's a huge Taylor Swift fan, but was deeply, well perplexed i'll say to put it more mildly by taylor swift's newest video which shows gay weddings and transgender people and whatnot um my kid not exactly uh a fan largely because she likes taylor swift's music because taylor swift doesn't get political and now suddenly she is uh and taylor swift is being slammed today by left-wing sites for uh making money off of pride and not going far enough to support pride uh, even Taylor Swift being consumed by the left-wing mob she sought to placate by taking this political shift into supporting the BLT and G community, uh, it's not enough for them. Uh, they're all upset about it. Now, uh, we, we I, I need to dwell in, on this corporate stuff, but I don't have time here. What I do have time for is to go to Jerry in Johns Creek. Hey, man, how are you? Hey, brother. Good good to talk to you again. Hey, great point on the kid from Harvard. Um, so I wanted to tell you how i think president trump can get reelected. i'll be quick and then i have one question all right all right so the average person in my opinion does not understand what a trillion dollars is i think if president trump were to hammer home the point the democrats added 13 trillion dollars to the national debt during obama's time and point out things like you want to give free health care well, the model would be very similar to um, uh, the VA, which spends an average of $20,000 a, a year on, on each veteran. It, it would, it, it's just not economically it, it's feasible. Not, it's not. And, and Jerry, now i got to put you back on hold because the computer's about to throw us off to a commercial. So stand by so you can ask your question. When we come back, we'll get to it. Eric Erickson here, and if you're traveling up 400 or Peachtree Industrial, you got some rain. It's headed into Johns Creek right now in the Berkeley Lake area. Duluth, you're probably going to get a little bit of rain. Alpharetta, you may see some. Roswell, you'll get sprinkles out of it. All right, let's go back to the phones where I realized that I should never have taken Jerry's phone call to begin with because the computer was going to throw us into commercial break. Jerry, how are you? <laughs> Hey, but, buddy. You know, for people okay. to shoot in, your, your point is really, I mean, nobody can really visualize what a trillion dollars actually means, and the president should do that. Yeah, and I think he can do that a lot of ways. An example, I mean, we have federal oversight for education. We do that 
in every state every day. Why do we need to spend $60 billion a year doubling up? Yeah. I mean, over the course of 10 years, it's a savings of a trillion dollars. I mean, Bill Clinton had a balanced budget at one point. Where, where are we going here? Yeah. Um, right now, even Trump has a $780 billion deficit as of right now. Now, he will come out ahead, it appears, because he's in his ninth month, I believe, or close to it, but he's going to come out about $500 billion ahead. So the tax cuts are working. We are collecting more taxes, but we have to become more financially right. correct. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it, it'll blow the economy out. We'll have 6 7% GDP. That's the other thing. Most people don't even know what GDP means. Right. Yep. Uh, you know, so here's my question, because I know you're pressed for time. Sarah Sanders, lover to death. She's a great press secretary. Do you think Trump will refill the position? And if he doesn't, is it a mistake? Because he can get these, these what I'm talking about, out there through her or someone similar to her. But the problem was she was so much on the defensive all the time, sometimes it was hard to watch. I mean, because the media would just eat her up, yeah. and she would try to defend and she dealt with it with so far more someone, grace than Sean Spicer ever did. Absolutely. But we need someone with a softer side. You know, people don't like Trump, but Listen, Trump really I, I, does love the United States. I told him he the other day the he needs to offer Trump. it to Sean Hannity so I can get the 3 o'clock hour. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't think that's going to listen. Yes, he is going to fill it um, because it's a traditional role and he wants someone there. I don't know who he's going to put in that position, but uh, we can be sure that whoever it is, they're going to have a very tough time. The media is super hostile to him. And uh, frankly, the media really, really disgusting in their treatment of Sarah Sanders. Not not willing to recognize, yes, you're in a difficult situation. We're going to show you some grace. No, 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 no. They, they, they went out of their way to savage her. Um, but, you know, this is consistent. When Tony Snow worked for George W. Bush, the media hated him. Ari Fleischer never got the fancy gigs that uh, a Joe Lockhart would get or, or um, Dee Meyer or some of the people who work for Bill Clinton. Um, same with Dana Perino, who wound up getting a show on Fox, but it was on Fox, a favorable, favorable outlet. I, I don't know that she could have gotten that at CNN or elsewhere. I don't know that she would have ratings-wise and stuff, but you get my point. Um, the media likes press secretaries who work for Democrats. Rarely do they like um, press secretaries who work for Republicans. Uh, it, there really is a disparity in their treatment there. I need to tell you what I did uh, Saturday afternoon. This This is important. Michael Caldwell is a state representative. Michael Caldwell is the state representative in the Woodstock area. Michael Caldwell is going to run for the state Senate. He was done with the state house. He term limited himself in the state house. Um, this is one of the, the, the sad things is that it's always the good guys who term limit themselves, uh, but he did. Uh, thankfully, though, he, he is going to run for the state Senate. Brandon Beach is running for the 6th Congressional District, which is in that area. And so Caldwell is going to run for Brandon Beach's seat now in the state Senate. He is a great, great guy. And the people in Woodstock love him. i, I got to be honest with you. I, 
I I thought we were going to go to some small get together with some of like his top donors and stuff, and and I was going to speak for a minute, and then Michael would stand up and say, "No, there's there's this park right next to Reformation Brewery. There there's this park in in Woodstock, in downtown, and a bunch of people showed up, young and old uh, showed up. Uh, it was it was an impressive turnout for this guy who's just he's a state representative, and he had a really impressive turnout." Uh, I really, really like him, too. He's really good. He's one of the fighters. He's willing to stand up and hold his own side accountable. And so it's great. And so if you're in that area, uh, I know the northern part of Alpharetta is in the district. Uh, Woodstock is in the district. Um, I think there, I know Canton is in the district as well. It's kind of an odd district. But, you know, North Fulton, uh, Cherokee County, that area, he's a great guy. And you need to vote for uh, Michael Caldwell in the state Senate. Uh, he's just a phenomenal state rep. He'll be real asset in the state Senate as well. Uh, but it was great to meet a ton of you guys. I was also in Pickens County, and there were a ton of people in Pickens County. And I got a bone to pick with you. Uh, at least 30 people said, um, why Why are you stopping? Why is the news stopping on WSB at 6 now? It's not. It's still here. It's just I, sw- I give up the anchor chair for someone else. Mark Aram. Mark Aram's here doing news. So stick around. Um, the news is still on at WSB. And there's news you need to ponder right now. I'm going to do this very quick because I only have about a minute. We're seeing Harvard toss Kyle Kashev because progressive activists told them to. We're seeing corporations um, blacklist and censor conservatives on social media. We're seeing corporations go, I mean, in your face Pride Month this month. There is no escape in rainbows this month. And you know what? I'm more and more mindful that conservatives who are conservatives of principle are in the minority now. Probably always have been. On the left and the right, the dominant forces are populist forces. And the corporations embracing progressive identity politics have long relied on conservatives to say, you know what, even though I don't like it, we're going to restrain ourselves. And we're in the minority now. What they're going to face are a bunch of people on the right who are populists, who are saying, we're going to use the tools of government to punish you because you've tried to punish us. And corporations buying into this left-wing identity politics nonsense, what they're going to find is that the people who should be their natural allies not only are no longer their natural allies, but they're coming for them. We're seeing this with tech companies. Where conservatives in Congress who have embraced super populism in the Trump era are now willing to break up tech companies, willing to regulate tech companies. It's a really dangerous trend, but it's one I don't think corporations can escape from. They can't help themselves because so many of them are dominant, dominated by progressives. They're buying into progressive ideology and the populists on the right, they have no compulsion, no hesitation in coming after these corporations. It's going to get very, very bad. So Harvard can say, Kyle, you can't come here now because when you were 16 on a private message, you said something we don't like and progressives don't want you here. But you can bet Republican Republican populists are going to say, you know what, Harvard? We think we need to tax your endowment and give it to the poor kids. The Vice President of the United States will be joining me on the radio tomorrow. Uh, So tune in then, and you may or may not see him at a conference here in Atlanta with me in August that you may or may not want to come to by texting Atlanta to 345-345. 
Because, man, when I can actually publicly say who all's coming, I am jacking the price up. Also, um, I think we, having looked at the, the event space, I think we're going to have room for vendors to do booths in the hall at the Grand Hyatt. So if you got a nonprofit or something and want to think about that, it's a great way to help support the conference as well. 